in a world filled with information. Where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! If retirement is coming soon for you, there's no doubt that you're thinking about Social Security, and you probably have some questions about it. On today's show, six things you need to know before taking Social Security. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. Hello and welcome in. Good morning to you all. It is another Get Ready for the Future show. My name is Scott Edmund, John Shrewsbury, Janet Walker with me today. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. We are off and running again um, as we get well into April. And we're talking today about Social Security and more specifically, six things you need to know before taking Social Security. And we're going to have a very special guest on in the next segment. She's an expert on Social Security, Mary Beth Franklin. She's a contributing editor for Investment News and a nationally recognized specialist on Social Security. She's been on the Get Ready for the Future show many times before, so we're looking forward to interviewing her about some proposed changes uh, to Social Security. That's where we'll hang out mainly with her. But before we dive into the six things we're going to talk about today, uh, hopefully it's going to be a very educational show about Social Security, but we're going to start by talking about, guys, why it's so important to talk about it in the first place. And, and I, a question right off the bat if you have a financial advisor, is your advisor talking to you about Social Security? You know, I talked uh, to a, a high school friend yesterday, um, and she's about my age. Obviously, we, we graduated together. I'm 48 years old, so still pretty good ways out from retirement, we'll say, right. and making any Social Security decisions. But she talked to me. She's a business owner, um, and her CPA has recommended that she start to uh, put money into a retirement account. She's been doing that for several years. She has it with uh, someone, but that's all she's got. She knows she's been mm-hmm. socking money away. She knows she's been accumulating. She doesn't really know much about the investment side, but she knows it's growing. That's it. Past yeah. that. She hasn't really yeah. ever thought about even looking at her Social Security statement online, get an idea of benefits, or thinking about income in the future. That really highlights a big chasm, I think, in the financial services industry for me. I mean, guys, if you think about, let's say that a husband and wife each have $2,000 or so in benefits per month. So you got 4000 a month, 48000 a year. Let's call it 50000 for just nice round numbers. That's the equivalent of a million dollars in investable assets as far as like the withdrawal amount that you're going to receive from that on an annual basis. So, you know, if you had a million dollars, I figure it's highly likely that you would go and spend some time talking to an advisor. You do have a million dollars if you have Social Security benefits along those lines. It's so important to spend time getting to know what are your choices? What could impact you as you walk through this process? Janet, when you think about Social Security, a lot of the perception on Social Security these days is it is what it is. You know, yeah. I'm either going to take it early because I think that, that you know, the system's going to run out of money, so I need to get my check and need to get as much money as I possibly can before it runs out. Or you're of the mind that I'm going to push it all the way to the end and, and get the biggest check that I possibly can. And really, neither one of those answers may be the right answer for you. Here is the real pivot point on Social Security. A Social Security claiming strategy is effective to make the money that you have last your lifetime. And there's some leverage there that you can apply with Social Security, and a lot of it depends on your personal circumstances. And Scott, I think that a lot of people miss the interaction or the interplay, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, between Social Security and your overall retirement picture, but it it really fits together much like a puzzle. Yeah, it's got to be an income plan that includes all of those sources. So I do think that highlights your point of it's, and you said that People are kind of two mindsets of when to take the benefit either as early or as late as possible. I think a lot of people, too, think that whenever I retire, that's when I turn it on, right? Because I'm going to need the income. And that may be true. But the bottom line is I think a lot of people are left on their own to make those decisions. They don't get help 
from their financial advisor when it comes to Social Security. Or they get the wrong kind of help. You know, yeah. we, we talk in one of the workshops that we do about the the Waffle House wise men. And everybody's been to the Waffle House <laughs> and everybody's seen the old guys sitting around the Waffle House in the morning drinking coffee. And they've got an opinion about everything. Yeah. And if you walk in and ask those guys, hey, when should I take my Social Security? What do you think you're going to yeah, – what kind of answer you're going to get? Oh, you need to take it as soon as possible. That government, they're going to run out of money. And they think they know the answer. And I'm sure that they're very well-intentioned, but it may not be the right answer for you. And so there are some – there is a, a math and science equation that goes into this, and it's really very dependent upon how much money you're going to have in retirement. And the thing you want to look at is how can I leverage Social Security to make my money last throughout my lifetime? Let me highlight uh, one of the things that I think we get on a frequent basis in client meeting rooms when we start talking about Social Security, when we say, well, you know, you're going to have to figure in the tax part of that. Yeah. that Social Security is <laughs> going to be taxed. And you get this look on their face like, what? What do you mean my Social Security benefits going to be taxed? And I get that. Yeah. It is a tax. You've been paying in your entire work life, and then when it comes back to you, they're going to tax it again. But on the federal level, that is absolutely accurate. Well, and, and to be clear, you know, to be fair about this to the people who are asking us about it, it it's likely that their parents' Social Security was not taxed That's because true. it hasn't always been taxed. Sometime in the 1980s, this got changed. And so, yes, your Social Security is taxable. But the other thing is, it's not 100% taxable. Right. It's somewhere between 50 and 85% of it that is taxable. So, you know, could we get any less clear? in this situation and it's really important to look at that interplay of how this works with your other assets yeah. and the impact on taxes and in some cases your social security is not taxable if that's all you have or if you have very little right. additional income but it does accelerate uh, pretty quickly thereafter but uh, to be really fair about it scott if you think about the fact that that social security is held out before taxes are applied to your paycheck then that money never has been taxed. Right. And so the benefit that you get uh, from Social Security is subject to tax because it never has been taxed before. Right. Speaking of taxes, we have something that could help people, you know, maybe reduce their taxes a little bit in retirement. You want yeah. to tell them about that? And that's one element of it, I'm sure, in the upcoming webinar we have called How to Reduce Taxes Before Retirement. We know that uh, we've had several dozen people already sign up for this webinar that is coming up Thursday, April 22nd at 6.30 we like to invite you uh, on this program to go ahead and sign up. You can do it very easily by going to GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash events. Register there for free. You can attend the webinar with your laptop right in the comfort of your own home. And the subject is how to reduce taxes before retirement. That's really kind of one of the big buzzwords now. I, I, I mean, I guess it always has been something that people are really concerned about when they think about how or is their income going to be taxed in retirement how is their income going to be taxed differently in retirement when you incorporate Social Security, when you start pulling money out of your assets? But I think it's getting a little more hyped up here with the change in presidential administrations and the talk about taxes going up anyway. I'm really glad you use that word hype, Scott, because yeah. there is a lot of hype about this. And the, the don't be you know freaked out by the hype. We're going to give you straight talk, just like we've always done on this show uh, for as long as we've been broadcasting. We've told you that we're going to give you straight talk about retirement investments and your money, and we're going to add taxes to that. Uh, and so you know there are all these uh, folks that are pitching ideas about how you can save taxes in retirement. But the the truth of the matter is is that if you have qualified money. It's going to be taxed one way or the other when you take it out. And by the way, the government's going to force you to take it out about a year and a half later than they used to force you to take mm -hmm. it out now because they moved the required minimum distribution age to 72. But you need straight talk about taxes. Taxes is one thing you don't want to get crossways with the IRS on. And so join us for this webinar. It's coming up on April 22nd, 630. As Scott mentioned, we've already had a large number of people sign up and there is a capacity issue here. So if you're listening to this broadcast today, you definitely want to go ahead and go to Get Ready for the Future com forward slash events and sign up for the social security i'm sorry the the how to reduce taxes in retirement webinar that it really does relate to social security that is coming up on april 22nd well i think we've already highlighted that social security is certainly fundamental to retirement planning 
But just how complex is it? Well, there are about 2,700 rules that govern <laughs> Social Security. That's right, 2,700 rules. That are we govern. covering all of those today, we Scott? Are, we are not. We could attempt to. I think we would run out at uh, number 136 or so. We would not get very far into it. I think our regulators have a larger number of rules than that, but that's probably the <laughs> yes, only one. Yes, that's, that's true. very true. I'm, I'm positive of that. But we're going we're gonna to simplify it down to six things you need to know before taking social security so number one on our list today is what's your full retirement age you know a lot of people don't know that yeah and and this is something that has changed over the years it used to be 65 and people still have 65 in their mind because of Mm -hmm. medicare but uh, this year we're actually seeing some changes in this not that the rules have changed it's just relative to the date of birth and when when this group of people hits their full retirement age this is the first time that we're getting into those two-month increments. And what I mean by that, and we've got a little chart we can put up on this, if you were born from 1943 to 54, your full retirement age is 66. Well, those people have already hit 66. And after that, with each year, we go into two-month increments. So we get to 66 in two months for 1955, 66 in four months, etc., stretching out until we get to the group that is 1960 or later and full retirement age for that group is age 67. So this is the year with these 1955 babies turning 66 this year. This is the year that we begin to start seeing that. So it is important for you to know when your full retirement age is. It's very important relative to if if you're wanting to take Social Security and maybe you're still working, you don't want to pull the trigger on that before you hit your full retirement age. And I think this is the first place people get sideways in their thinking about social security when you hear full retirement age the Mm -hmm. word full makes you think that's as big as my benefit's going to be right that's my maximum benefit from social security but that's just when you begin to reach full retirement age there's actually a delayed benefit you can wait until age 70 to get and the benefit continues to grow Go figure. Only yeah. with the government yes. would you have the definition of full not mean everything. the biggest yes. or, or everything. I, you complete. Know? I, yes. com- I compare it to my kids doing their schoolwork. You know, If there's bonus opportunity available, did you take advantage of the bonus opportunity? That's, That's the question here. You could make 100%, but you might want to make up for some other things that maybe we didn't do, You know, like investing for retirement earlier in life. Maybe you make up for some other things. Let's get those bonus points. So those are the delayed retirement credits that you can get really with every month beyond your full retirement age. And that's number two on our list of six things you need to know before taking Social Security. What's your full retirement age is the first. Number two is how will the age you take benefits affect your eventual monthly payout? So we're going to kind of get in the weeds on this one and talk about it. You can uh, take it as early as age 62, and that is regardless of what your full retirement age is is 62 is across the board for everybody, but how much of your full retirement benefit you receive uh, definitely depends on what your full retirement age is. Right. If you have a full retirement age of 66, as an example, and you take your Social Security at 62, you're going to get a 25% reduction in the benefit that, that you have coming in. That's just how the math of Social Security works. And as your full retirement age climbs, you would only get 70% of your benefit uh, under the, the Social Security rules, as that full retirement age moves up, you get a lesser percentage of your full benefit by claiming at 62. Therein lies the problem with that Waffle House math that we talked about from the Waffle House yes. wise men that, that, you know, yeah, you may be getting a check, but you're getting an increasingly smaller check uh, if you are looking at, at an age uh, that you're taking Social Security uh, later than your full retirement age. Yeah, and the re- and the other side of that is true too. Once you reach your full retirement age, if you delay until age seventy, if your full retirement age is sixty six, you would have been able to, or you would be able to receive one hundred and thirty two percent of your full retirement benefit. But as that full retirement age climbs, you'd only get one hundred and twenty four percent of your benefit. So what this really means is is it's increasing from 62 all the way to 70 at around 8% per year every year that you wait. Now, that's a stock-like return, right? So it, sure. sure, it's very tempting to go across the board that I just want to delay it. But that may not always be the case because there are so many other factors. The key word that you want to understand in this equation is optimum. When is the yeah. optimum time for me to take Social Security? And again, as we said, it really depends on your situation. That's why you need to sit down with a qualified financial advisor that really understands Social 
Social Security and get them to help you understand when your optimum time to take is. Our interview with Mary Beth Franklin, Social Security Specialist and Contributing Editor for Investment News, is next. Six things you need to know before taking Social Security. That's the topic of today's Get Ready for the Future show. And we've already gone through a couple of those things, and we'll get back onto our list after our next segment because we're pausing right now to step in and talk to Mary Beth Franklin, Social Security Specialist and Contributing Editor for Investment News, joining us on the phone today. Good morning, Mary Beth. Good morning. Thanks for inviting me. Well, it's our pleasure, and we thank you for joining us. How, First of all, how are you? How, has the, uh, how have you endured the pandemic? It's been a little while since we've had you on this show. I know it was before the pandemic. Is everyone uh, healthy, and you getting to do some of the normal things that you do? I know you don't travel as much, probably, or haven't been. How are things going? Everything's going well. My husband and I have both been fully vaccinated, which is a wonderful thing. And we live in Virginia, outside of Washington, D.C., and it's cherry blossom season. So it's a beautiful time of year here. Mary Beth, about a year ago, you wrote a column at the start of the coronavirus outbreak and predicted a worsening of the status of Social Security as a result of the pandemic. Now that we've passed the one-year mark, how are things going? Well, we're still waiting for the official pronouncement from the Social Security and Medicare Board of Trustees. Each year, they release a report on the long-term financing of the Social Security and Medicare trust funds, and when they released the 2020 report last spring, it looked like things were holding steady that the trust funds would eventually run dry as expected around 2034, but the problem was that report was compiled before the pandemic hit, so no one felt that it was an accurate reflection of Social Security finances. So we're all anxiously awaiting the next report. We just don't know when it will be, sometime between now and possibly early summer. Mary Beth, let's talk a little bit about President Biden and proposed changes to Social Security. Uh, He's talking about a guaranteed minimum benefit of at least 125 percent of the federal poverty level, as well as a 5 percent bump in benefits for those who've drawn for for over 20 years and then a 20 percent more 20 percent increase per month for widows and widowers. What are your thoughts on uh, those proposed changes, the impact on the system, and and whether we're headed where we need to go for Social Security? Well, frankly, those proposals of basically expanding Social Security benefits for the most vulnerable, those who are lifetime uh, low-income earners and the very elderly who are probably 85-plus, did not originate with President Biden. They have been kicking around for several years, and sort of the antithesis to the other side of the aisle who's been talking about the need to cut back on benefits, to scale back on the way uh, inflation is measured, um, the idea of raising the full retirement age even further sometime in the future. So there's certainly proposals on both sides. There's great desire to make sure that this critical retirement income plan will be there for current and future retirees. There's just not a lot of agreement on what the solution will be. Um, I don't see any immediate action on Capitol Hill. President Biden certainly has his hands full with proposed uh, infrastructure legislation and proposed tax increases to pay for it. So um, it may be an issue that will wait till the end of his first term. Mary Beth Franklin, our guest today on the Get Ready for the Future show, Social Security Specialist and Contributing Editor for Investment News. And Mary Beth, on our side of the aisle, when it comes to retirement income planning, one of the big risks that we have to tackle is inflation risk. We have to have those paychecks for our retirees go up over time because we know things are going to cost more. And I know one of the frustrating parts for the Social Security recipient from that standpoint is, is that cost of living raise, if it happens at all, is oftentimes very negligible and doesn't necessarily reflect the actual inflation rate. And one of the things the president has also talked about is changing the inflation factor applied to the benefits to make them more closely track the expenses retirees face. What what are your thoughts on that proposal? Well, uh, retirees often complain that even when they do get a cost of living adjustment, um, it's not enough to cover their actual expenses. And part of it is it's an imprecise measurement. 
Uh, benefits are increased based on the consumer price index, but that is designed to reflect the cost of your average working American. More money spent on uh, gas, commuting to work, and housing costs, as opposed to maybe medical expenses, which is a, a much bigger chunk of a retiree's budget. So there have been proposals in the past to use a different measurement, something called the CPIE or the Consumer Price Index for the elderly that would more reflect their cost. Again, there's a an opposing proposal to use something called the CPI Chained Index that would basically reduce annual inflation adjustments compared to the current measure. So again, reflecting different political viewpoints. Uh, the one thing we should remind people is Social Security is often the only guaranteed source of income that most Americans have that is, in fact, adjusted for inflation, no matter how um, inaccurate that adjustment might be. Mary Beth, let's talk a little bit about raising taxes and and trying to address shortfalls in Social Security. You alluded to the fact that the uh, the uh, uh, prognostications have been that Social Security is going to run out in 2034, and there's a lot of concern, obviously, about uh, the report that's about to come out and how the pandemic has affected Social Security. And it's uh, clearly money in versus money out. Uh, there are a lot of proposals to raise taxes. There's one of a 12.4% tax increase uh, for workers making over $400,000 a year. I'm wondering how that might affect uh, benefits for folks and whether you feel like that is a, a, a real solution to this funding shortfall. Well, first of all, let's back up and explain what funds Social Security benefits. It's those FICA taxes, the payroll taxes that all workers and self-employed people pay each year. Uh, that creates the funding source for those benefits. About 30 years ago, when Social Security was really having some long-term financing problems, the, the taxing formula was changed to collect more revenue than was needed at the time. And that excess revenue is what we refer to as the trust funds. Well, since 2010, uh, we have been drawing down on those trust funds to supplement the revenue that comes in from FICA taxes. And around 2034, that excess um, revenue, those trust funds, are expected to be exhausted unless Congress acts before then. That does not mean there would be no Social Security benefits. There would be enough revenue from ongoing payroll taxes to pay about 80% of promised benefits. But frankly, no one is going to be satisfied with 80% of benefits. So that's why it's imperative that Congress takes action, preferably sooner rather than later, to um, bolster the system, and it probably would be done with a combination of some sort of tax increase and possibly some sort of benefit changes, such as raising the full retirement age above the current level of 67 sometime in the distant future. So out of all of that, Mary Beth, do you have a favored view of how that might be addressed? I know you studied this, you work in it all the time. What's your viewpoint on, on how to actually address that? Well, I think one of the biggest challenges is higher income people do not pay Social Security taxes on all of their wages. Right now in 2021, the first $142,800 of annual earnings are taxed for FICA purposes. Any earnings above that level are not taxed to support Social Security. The challenge is so many people are making so much more than that annual wage cap that a lot of wages are escaping being taxed for Social Security purposes. Back in 1983, the, um, the bipartisan Social Security Commission said as long as um, 90% of U.S. wages were being taxed for Social Security purposes. The system is fine in perpetuity. Unfortunately, that has now dropped to about 83% of wages are taxed, and it's just not enough to support the system. So I would like to see that taxable wage base float up over the next few dec decades to help make up some of that loss. The other key, though, is how much you pay into benefits affects how much, 
how much you pay in taxes affect your future benefits. Mm -hmm. I think it's a cardinal rule that if I pay into the system, I should get benefits out in a commensurate way. There has been some talk that those higher income people who would pay more should not get a higher benefit. And I think that breaks the basic bond of workers and government that I pay into a system to get a benefit I have earned. We would completely agree with you on on that logic. That's something we've talked about a a significant amount, Mary Beth. Uh, One of the other questions about how would you propose to change it, we've talked about maybe paying in more taxes for those high earners. What about on the withdrawal side of it? Are there some changes that that you think it might be time for? I know, you know, when Social Security was first started, it was a worker's benefit. And now there are so many people who have the potential of being able to draw on the earnings record of one worker. What are your thoughts along those lines? Well, Social Security is really the only nationwide safety net we have mm-hmm. for elderly and their dependents. And I can't underestimate how valuable it is, not just that retirement benefit, but in many cases, a benefit for a dependent spouse, minor dependent children, permanently disabled adult children, and critically, a survivor benefit for a remaining spouse when the worker dies. I don't think we should be looking to uh, minimize some of those extra benefits, those dependent benefits, they really are critical. Um, I think we need to look at the rules for who gets them and when. Mary Beth, we have about a minute left, uh, and boy, I just would highlight what great insight it's been for this segment, uh, hearing your thoughts on Social Security as someone who studies it. I I can't help but think people who are listening may want to find out a little bit more uh, about you or read more of your insight. How can people uh, follow you or or read uh, what you're putting out? Well, the easiest way to find me is just to Google my name, Mary (laughs) Beth Franklin. That's three words. I also have a book on how to maximize your Social Security retirement benefits. It's an e-book, meaning it's only available online at investmentnews.com slash MBF e-book. That's my three initials followed by e-book. Very good. Well, Mary Beth, we thank you once again for joining us on today's program. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. The Get Ready for the Future show continues as our topic is today, six things you need to know before taking Social Security. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Something interesting, some of the things Mary Beth Franklin was talking about in the last segment, uh, our Social Security uh, expert or specialist and contributing editor for Investment News. We thank her again for joining us in the last segment. Terrific insight, but she talked about that trust fund depletion that it's predicted to be depleted by 2034. That's the excess money that Social Security has and has been paying out, she said, since 2010. It's going to be interesting when uh, usually it comes out in April, but she kind of insinuated it might even be summer before they come out with their new report as to what the status is or the predictions now of when that trust fund might be depleted. But the pandemic, she still believes, it seems, that that could have an impact and accelerate that uh, predicted year that the trust fund could be depleted. Anytime you have a rise in unemployment, you're going to have an impact on Social Security. A lot of people don't think about that. They think about the current impact of unemployment and and obviously that that hurts families that hurts income uh, to those families but the the key as far as social security is concerned is those unemployed people don't pay social security tax and so the revenue that was coming in to offset uh, some of that depletion uh, of that trust fund has dried up from those folks and so as we get back to full employment uh, you know, I think that will will help, but that that hole has been created by that period of time that those people were not paying Social Security tax, and so it could have a uh, an enhancing, if you will, of the depletion of that Social Security trust fund. To what extent we don't know, we'll figure that out. I guess come summer. The other thing I thought was very interesting that I learned was the fact that in 1983. 90% of wages were taxed, and now that number is down to 83%. Yeah. Uh, you may know about the cap, and she said this year it's $142,800 in income. Once you surpass that, you no longer pay that Social Security tax, 
And because so many people are over that, and that does go up every year, but if you think about where that might have been in 1983, 90% of people's wages were, ta- or 90% of wages across the board in America were taxed, and now it's down to 83. So I find that very interesting as a, a, a quick direction to go for a possible fix. Now, when that fix happens, we always talk about kicking the can. Politicians yeah. like to do that. It's never going to be an easy fix. It's never going to be a 100% popular fix. And I think that's why we still are in the position we are today. But that's all the macro view of Social Security. And our show today is really more on the micro view, your personal Social Security decisions, because that's what's in your control. None of these other things are in your control. We're talking about six things you need to know before taking social security and the first two were what's your full retirement age we know that that's going up based on your birth year and how will the age you take benefits affect your eventual monthly payout uh, whether you take it as early as 62 or as late as age 70 number three on our list is are you healthy that's a big consideration to be made here and it's a tricky one to really get into because nobody can predict their date of death, John and Janet. But if you do have a family history that indicates you might live a short life versus a long life, that should impact your Social Security decisions. And particularly, do you have some sort of dread disease? Do you have something going on in your life that could shorten your life expectancy? Family history is one thing, but your current health is is uh, clearly another thing. You know, if you have maybe a history of cancer in your family and you're a smoker, you're probably looking Mm -hmm. at a shorter life expectancy. I think statistics would bear that out. Well, and what has happened since you made the original decision? Let's say that you've worked with an advisor and you've put together a plan. What we always tell our, our, our clients is that, you know, we've put together a mathematical answer to what we believe based on what we currently know would be your best approach to social security claiming strategy for you. But Life may deal you an unexpected hand of cards, so to speak. And so if something happens medically, then you need to let us know. You know, if, if you've had a heart issue that you didn't have when we put together the plan or cancer or whatever the case may be, we always talk about if you've had a real serious conversation with your doctor, you need to come back in and talk with us because we might have said delay the check until whatever age, whether it's full retirement age or so, or, or your age 70 to be able to get the absolute full benefit, including the excess on there. doesn't matter. If something happens health-wise, then we need to revisit that. But guys, I'll say even on that, it's not an absolute because right, sometimes right. we still need to delay that benefit because you may be the bigger earner of the husband and wife. You may be the bigger earner of the two, and we need to preserve that larger benefit for the survivor. I don't know any other area of financial planning where the phrase, it depends, really <laughs> does apply. Yeah, uh, It depends on a lot of things. And, and here's the problem that we run into in society today. We're all looking for that instant uh, fit into whatever those number of characters are on Twitter or whatever, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that quick uh, answer to everything. And everything doesn't have a quick answer. You have to sit down and kind of pour through this a little bit. And that's where I think, Scott, uh, the value of a well-reasoned financial advisor who has dealt with these issues before and has the the tools, if you will, to be able to analyze each person's individual situation and come up with a strategy for that person. Part of our ready-to-retire process for our clients in building a retirement income plan includes a Social Security analysis and strategy, and it's really twofold. It's very educational. It's a great resource to have when it comes to the key terms. A glossary of terms is in there around Social Security, what Medicare is, the different parts of that. So it's a great resource in its of itself, but it will also help us produce a claiming strategy for you. It's just one component, but a very key component, as we've already pointed out in today's program, that Social Security is a foundational part of your overall retirement income plan. If you'd like to walk through the ready-to-retire process at GenWealth, it's only a phone call away, 501-653-7355. Again, it's 501-653-7355, or you can send us an email as well. Just send it to info at getreadyforthefuture.com. Janet already kind of alluded to number four on Mm -hmm. our list. Do you have a spouse to consider? And this can go a lot of different directions, so I'll let you guys take off on where you want to go first. Well, I think that the first thing I would say is that what I have seen over the years is people tend to think about 
their Social Security mm-hmm. as a unilateral decision for themselves. And that's really not the case. It really does interplay with your spouse. I know your spouse probably has their own Social Security check coming in, but how those two interact is is a uh, one of the complexities, Janet, frankly, yeah. of the system, and that's one that we have to work through with each of our clients. Yeah, we absolutely do not look at it as a his decision and a hers decision. It is a household decision as far as how you decide to claim your social security benefits for each of you because there's a lot of interplay there and especially if you have a spouse who maybe uh, maybe doesn't have enough earnings credits over the years to have their own benefit then they can collect a spousal benefit but there are obviously some rules i know that's shocking guys but there are some rules that go with you know when you can do that and how you can do that how many of the 2700 are there are it, regarding that it, it's going to cover several 143 yeah. to be exact john's got the exact number there you go so several rules regarding how we you know claim together potentially as spouses and then when you set aside the social security rules and you look at just household income where is your household income coming from is it coming from investments is it coming from investments and a social security check or investments and two social security checks again we mentioned taxes guys how all of that interplays together it does really have to be a big picture and and while we talk about spouses a little bit let's talk about um, ex-spouses as well because that, yeah. that comes into play here well before we leave the spouse thing i think that if if everything were perfect otherwise we would delay social security until age 70 for the highest breadwinner usually the male right because the spouse is going to likely draw half of that larger benefit when that male passes away now that is if everything were perfect but again it it depends on how much money you've got can you actually afford to delay social security mm-hmm. to age 70 that's some math that has to be done on that but back to janet's point about the the ex-spouse uh, you, you can actually have a benefit from a former spouse that could be greater than the one that you have from your current spouse. So it does get into a lot of complexity there, Scott. And then that's when we begin to ask some uh, somewhat nosy questions. Well, how long <laughs> were you married to that ex-spouse? And, and then they ask the question, well, if I draw on them their benefits, can they stop me or do they need to know about it or whatever the case may be? Again, more complexity with the Social Security system. I think that's really covered in number six, too, so I want to hang on before yep. we get – we'll get that in the next segment. Let's uh, – I'm really the numbers guy, so we have to stay in order. Got to keep, <laughs> keep us on track. Number five is, is your earnings history correct? You know, Janet, you referenced the term yeah. earnings history there, and, and that's what the benefit is based on. And it may be rare for Social Security to make a mistake here, but that's something you definitely – that's a, a clear one of the six things you need to know before you take Social Security is verify that they didn't put a zero – in one of those years yeah. and, and there is a time limit on getting this fixed a lot of times people don't look at their earnings record until they are ready to claim or at least ready to plan for their claiming strategy and so sometimes they don't know within the time period and i'm just going to tell you fix it within three years of when it was earned but that's not really the rule you ready for this yep i, I, can, I can give it to you right here three years three months and 15 days after the year in which the wages were paid again it's a little bit complicated but wow. if you get it done within three years you're within the time period wow so uh, here's why that's important scott is social security is based on the highest 35 years of earnings that you have in your lifetime. Now, a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't understand it. They think that it's based on the highest five because that's what a lot of pensions Mm -hmm. are actually calculated on. But Social Security is done differently. Surprise that. But it's over the 35 highest years. So envision that you have 35 years of earnings, but you have maybe two or three years in there when maybe you were earning a pretty high salary and for whatever reason there was a glitch in the system, somebody didn't report something, your tax return got lost between the IRS and Social Security when they reported it over, I don't know what might have happened there, but if there's a big fat zero, that's going to major impact your Social Security benefit and you've got to get that corrected. 
I think it's uh, obviously fun for people to look at their 401k statements when the market is good like it is now. But one of the things I think people should do is create a My Social Security account online. Have you ever done that? It's really easy to do if you can get past the verification stage because I do have a personal (laughs) story about that. It is not always easy. And they're not always right about what those questions or the answers to those questions should be. But once you get past that, they're going to ask you some questions. First of all, the website, ssa.org. If you go there and want to sign up for an account online, you'll just have to get through some verification questions like what kind of car did you drive or what kind of uh, mortgage did you have with what bank and those ssa.gov. I'm sorry, I said ssa.org. ssa.gov. Thank you, Casey. Uh, You go there and you get past those questions and then you can get online and look at your benefit estimate anytime you want. You know, they used to mail those out. They're not doing that nearly as often to most people uh, anymore. I think there's some sort of a birth year that's applied to that. It's starting at 25. You get it every five years until you claim or at age 60, they start giving it to you annually. Okay. So it is, if you want to know more frequently than that, you can certainly go on and and check out your earnings history there, plus get an idea of what your benefit's going to be. We're going to take a break and be back with our final segment right after this. Hey, a reminder about our webinar coming up on April 22nd, How to Reduce Taxes Before Retirement. That is a word that is getting uh, a lot of hype these days, and there are a lot of different ideas about it, but we'll give you straight talk about how to reduce taxes before retirement in a free webinar coming up Thursday, April 22nd at 6.30 to attend. All you need to do is register, and you can do that online by going to getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash events absolutely free to be a part of this but space is still limited you know virtually you think you could just do that infinitely but there are limits on how many people we can have in that webinar so you'll want to do that as soon as you can it's coming up thursday april 22nd at 6 30 today's topic six things you need to know before taking social security just as a quick recap we talked about what's your full retirement age How will the age you take benefits affect your eventual monthly payout? Uh, What's your health like? What do you expect to do? How long do you expect to live? Uh, That's a big key component to thinking about when to take Social Security. And do you have a spouse to consider? And is your earnings history correct? So we're up to our final uh, item. And number six is, are you eligible for additional benefits beyond those based on your own work history. And that really falls back into, we alluded to this earlier, uh, there is the worker's benefit, there is the spousal benefit that can be drawn off of that worker, but even ex-spouses and children can come into play here as well. Yeah, and so when you think about Social Security, as Janet was uh, alluding to in the conversation with Mary Beth Franklin, Social Security uh, started out as being a worker's benefit only, and then it expanded and expanded and expanded. And now there are a lot of people drawing off of one worker's benefit on Social Security, and that has, frankly, led to the depletion of the Social Security Trust Fund to some degree, the expansion of who can draw. But you have that opportunity, and Janet, I think it's really appropriate appropriate to say here that life doesn't follow the the uh, the, the the primrose path if right. you will of how people think about you know somebody comes to get a social security benefit especially women have very broken careers because of children because of mm-hmm. divorce first one thing then the other divorce happens death happens there are lots of things that change that primrose path to, you know to just a path of reality frankly uh, so let's talk about in divorce situations if you were married Married for 10 years, and it doesn't have to be 10 years and anything else. This is 10 years even. If you were married for 10 years and then divorced, then you are eligible for a divorced spouse benefit, which would be 50% of the ex-spouse's benefit. He doesn't have to. I'm, I'm going the guy route here. It could be male or female, but he doesn't have to know. As long as you have the documents to say, here's the, here's the date of marriage, here's the date of divorce, and you don't have to have like his earnings record or anything, take his social security number, and they will figure that out, and they'll be able to tell you, here's what your benefit would be as an ex-spouse. One thing a lot of people don't know for ex-spouse benefits is that if the ex-spouse then passes away, 
you're actually eligible for an increase. You can go from an ex-spouse benefit to a survivor benefit. And if they have a current spouse, that person can also get a survivor benefit. So there's no negative impact on the earner originally or on their current spouse for an ex-spouse to take something. That is a very common question that we get. And guys, one other thing about, you know, getting benefits that you didn't actually, you know, you weren't the one who worked for them to pay into the system is minor children of a retiree. So this is this is actually more and more common. I love what Mary Beth Franklin calls this. Y'all are going to laugh about this one. She calls it the Vi- Viagra College Fund. Because if you retire and you have minor children and you claim Social Security, they are due a Social Security benefit. Well, what are you going to do for a five-year-old? They don't need a thousand bucks a month or right. whatever the benefit might be. Yeah. It's the Viagra College Fund. Yeah. Well, and and I think that that you've got to look at Social Security as being, as she called it, this social safety net. It is not necessarily just a retirement program it does even include disability benefits social security disability is something that we haven't really even talked about here but it is part of the social security system and there are folks out there that uh, you know have uh, become disabled and and you know they've either had an accident or they've had a major health complication that has caused them to either not be able to work or to work at a very very reduced uh, level of of uh, activity and social security is funding that as well and so social security is a very dynamic uh, type of program but it's certainly something that that I think you've got to to understand what your benefits are understand how to claim those benefits and understand how to use that system to best benefit your circumstances, whatever those might be. Well, we've talked about a lot of questions here that you should uh, be thinking about, but we've got one bonus question for you. When you think about Social Security in a broader context, as John's already started to allude to here, is it is a part of your overall retirement, but what's the plan? What's your plan for retirement? Is it just to survive and scrimp by on Social Security and then all of those assets, whatever that number is that you've accumulated over a lifetime of working, is the pile that you're just going to tap just in case? It's the just-in-case retirement that we talk about. Doesn't it make more sense to figure out an overall income plan that incorporates Social Security? Maybe there's a pension. Maybe there's rental income. Maybe there's business income. Whatever the foundation income of your retirement is and then add on a monthly income stream from the assets that you've accumulated over a lifetime of saving money. Scott, the General Wealth Ready to Retire process starts with got to have a written plan. Mm-hmm. Not a plan that's up here, but a plan that is on paper, on purpose, that you've sat down and really thought about what kind of income are you going to need for the next 20, 30 years, however long it may be. You've got to have that ability to have guaranteed income in that program. The other thing that we've talked about today is that your guaranteed income has got to increase over time to keep pace with inflation. Inflation is coming. We've been talking about that. We are seeing it in the marketplace right now. Inflation is on the way. And so you've got to have a way to have your wages, if you will, that income, that paycheck in retirement keep pace with inflation. And Janet, that's just the beginning of the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process. Our advisors take folks through this process all the time, and they really have proven to be very successful retirees because of it. You know, you mentioned in going through that, you mentioned paycheck, and, and that's really what just brings it home for me. Do you have a plan to replace your paycheck? Because that's what retirement is. Financially, you're going to stop going to work for a paycheck, but that paycheck has to be replaced because your expenses don't go away just because you've retired. So do you have a plan on paper, on purpose, to be able to replace that income for as long as you're going to be here and to provide for your spouse as well and to be able to, to replace income for them for as long as they're going to be here. Sometimes inheritance money is important for people in planning. Other times it's, you know what, if I use the last dollar, that's great. We can put together a plan for you that will be personalized for your situation to deal with how you want to build retirement. But the key is, have you sat down with an advisor to put a plan together? Scott, I'll also throw in there about the ready-to-retire process. One of the things that we look at is disability 
in retirement. Now, obviously, you're not going to interrupt your paycheck in retirement because of disability, but the expense of long-term care costs are astronomical. And I will tell you, as soon as I say the words long-term care, I know a switch goes off in in most folks' head going, I don't want to go to the nursing home. We don't want you to go to the nursing home either. You better have a plan to not go to the nursing home or Medicaid may be the only resource that you have to take care of those long-term care costs. And when you think about the impact of long-term care on legacy to uh, a spouse or children or grandchildren, if that's something that is in your mind, that is even a bigger reason why you want to sit down and address the issue of long-term care. Don't have an ostrich plan for long-term care. That is, stick your head in the sand and hope it doesn't happen to me. You've got to have a real written plan to take care of that. There is the bell. Perfect timing. John's thought completed there. It is time for our final thoughts on today's program on Social Security. And we'll start with you, Janet. So I would just recap the questions that we've talked about today. Before you start claiming Social Security, what are the things that you need to know in this process? So what's your full retirement age? How will the age that you take benefits affect your eventual monthly uh, payout? That can have a pretty significant impact for you. Are you healthy? Do you have a spouse to consider? Is your earnings history correct? Fix it if it's not. Are you eligible for additional benefits beyond those that are based on your own work history? And then, most importantly, what's the plan? Scott, I'll say that I think that one of the things that you've got to really hone in on in retirement is taxes. We've got a great webinar. It relates to Social Security, but it also relates to your other income. Uh, the webinar is called How to Reduce Taxes Before Retirement. It is coming up on Tuesday, April 22nd at Thurs- 6... Thursday. I'm sorry, Thursday, April 22nd at 6.30. Uh, and you can go to GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash events to register free of charge, but you need to register because there is a capacity limit on the webinar. We have given you some questions to think about today in our program on six things to know before you claim Social Security. Next week, it's all about your questions. So if you have some, and we know that you do, we get them in meeting rooms every day. We want to hear them. On next week's show, we're answering your questions, and it is very easy to get that question to us. You can text us at 501 281 5228. Actually, I think we got a typo on that. It's 501 381 5228. I read the wrong 501-381-5228. number. 501 381 5228. Thank you, Janet. And you can also email us a question info at getreadyforthefuture.com or just chat with us on social media. We're uh, very active on Twitter and on Facebook. Just search for GenWealth financial advisors and you'll see us on there and leave us a question there we're answering your questions on next week's show we hope you got a lot out of the questions we ask on this week's show that's it for the get ready for the future show for this week we hope you will join us again next week thank you for listening to the get ready for the future show if you enjoy hearing from the gen wealth team every week make sure and subscribe to the podcast and you can always find us on social media search for gen wealth financial advisors on facebook or on twitter at gen wealth fa the Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 501-653-7355. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. Gen Wealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC.